Hey there, and welcome to Heal with Grace. I'm your host, Grace Secker, and I'm a holistic licensed therapist and nervous system coach who believes that the chronic and often unseen symptoms you're living with are a sign of something deeper going on, a sign that your nervous system needs attention. In each episode, I'll share the science behind the most common chronic health disorders, plus holistic health tips using mental, physical, and spiritual practices. You'll hear what I've learned in my journey and the true stories from our trusted guests so you can feel less alone in your experience and give yourself grace no matter what you're going through. So without further ado, settle in and get cozy. It's time to heal with grace. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Heal with Grace podcast. I have a very special guest, Callie Cratcher online. And we have done a podcast on hers before. I've been a guest with her and we've collaborated in her program and I'm super excited to have her because she's very, she's a registered dietitian, but very specific to interstitial cystitis. I'm excited to have her on and talk about how nervous system regulation really helps with IC. So hi, Callie. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk more about this, raise awareness for IC and, you know, tie in the nervous system practices that you teach to you know, just helping with a bladder condition or just overall health. So yeah, really excited. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you become a RD registered dietitian specifically for IC? And you're one of the only ones that really does this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've lived with interstitial cystitis my whole life. When I was a kid, every time I went pee, it felt like I was peeing fire. That's like my easiest way to describe it. So if you have ever had a UTI before, you know, you get that pain, you get that frequency, the urgency, you're sitting on the toilet waiting for like one drop of pee to come out and then you feel worse, but your brain thinks it's going to feel better. So basically the difference between a UTI and IC is you will have a bacterial infection with a UTI and with IC, there is no infection present. So... If anybody has ever been to the doctor before with UTI symptoms and your doctor's like, well, there's no infection, like we don't know what this is, like it could be interstitial cystitis, among other things. It's kind of a diagnosis of exclusion. You want to rule other explanations out before giving that diagnosis. But yeah, I kind of grew up with this condition. It was really tough because no one around me was experiencing what I was in terms of my pain, I just kind of sucked it up and pushed through the pain, developed a really high pain tolerance, and then played a bunch of sports. I went to college to play volleyball. College was really tough with a, a chronic illness. There's lots of changes there. You know, you, you have all this stress now. You're in a completely new environment. There's new food. There's alcohol. There's just a lot going on. And that was like the peak of my symptoms. That's also when I got my diagnosis and finally like had a name for what I was experiencing. And I started my treatment journey, did a bunch of really invasive treatments, lots of procedures. All of the, the treatment options for IC are experimental. There's nothing that is like, this is going to cure you. There is no cure. So it's all kind of just like trial and error none of the treatments that I was doing were giving me any relief. And so I was feeling, you know, hopeless. I was like, what's wrong with me? Why isn't anything helping my pain? And then, you know, long story short, I eventually hit rock bottom, exhausted all my options, still had pain, 
so hopeless about the future. And then I decided to change my approach and take a more natural, holistic approach, go back to the basics. So I ended up doing an elimination diet to determine if I had any diet sensitivities, which back then I did. My bladder was just very angry. I started to go to therapy. I needed to talk about my stress and a lot of stuff that like just happened growing up that you talk about in therapy. I went to pelvic floor physical therapy, which is another really helpful treatment for people with interstitial cystitis or pelvic floor dysfunction, which commonly go together. So, you know, going back to the basics was huge for me. And that is what brought me the most relief from my symptoms. And that is basically what inspired me to specialize in interstitial cystitis as a dietitian. You know, you, you go through a lot of like undergrad work, you we have to do a year-long dietetic internship, you know, pass this big board exam. And then most people end up going into a hospital setting or like a long-term care setting. And, and I did that for two years, but I knew in the back of my head that there was only one other dietitian in the world that was specializing in this and helping people with it. And I saw an opportunity to help people get the results that I got. And that's kind of how I got started. That was maybe three years ago. And yeah, it was a really long story. So I'm going to, I'm going to let you take it from here. So you made a lot of progress making natural holistic changes. And when it came to things like diet, even mental health, physical health, pelvic floor, things like that. So you made a lot of progress, which is what started the journey of you helping others do that as well. Right. So When did the idea or recognition of your nervous system come into play? Okay, so right now I'm 28. I would say when I was 26, I had this realization, like I was already working with IC clients and I was noticing that there was a lot of them that were triggered by stress. And I started to do my own research because I'm someone who... I get annoyed easily. I call it my rage monster. I get this like overwhelming sense of rage a lot. I have very sensitive like senses, maybe like sense of smell. My skin gets irritated easily. And so I was doing research and I saw that these are all signs that your nervous system could be dysregulated and, you know, it's stuck in a state of fight, flight, or freeze. And, you know, upon learning more, I was like, this is 100% me. I believe that my nervous system has been dysregulated for the majority of my life. And that is definitely, you know, one of my root causes, the other being pelvic floor dysfunction. And so once I started to identify that, and then learn more, that's when I started to find different, like self-help methods or like joining different courses or, you know, talking to people like you and following you on social media. That's when I started to learn more about things that I can do and and start experimenting with practices and techniques that work best for me, because, you know, what works best for you is probably not going to work for me. So had to kind of do some trial and error with that as well. So one of your first understandings or maybe realization is a better word was that maybe more of your emotional health stress affected your symptoms. Is that right? Yes. It's just so obvious in my life. Like it it does kind of bleed into my relationship with 
you know, my boyfriend and sometimes my parents, my friends. And I started to reflect on that in therapy. And I was like, there's got to be something more to this. Like, I can't just be this way. Like, there's got to be a reason. I'm one of those people. There needs to be a reason. I'm a huge perfectionist. And, you know, I think identifying that was, was really big and then connecting it to my physical bladder symptoms. Like when I'm stressed, I'm clenching my pelvic floor muscles and that in turn increases my bladder pain, which anatomically makes sense. So it was just like connecting all of those dots was so important to like start me on this journey to regulating my nervous system. Yeah. I'm going to go back to specifically the nervous system, but just even that idea, not even idea, but the actual like holding pattern that happens in your body when we have certain, I'll say stress response emotions, like anger, rage is such a big one. It actually is so indicative of pain. It's actually a direct result of pain. I know someone who she recognizes that when she's been angry for a couple of days, she has a migraine the next day. Like it's a very cause and effect for her. So similarly in other parts of our bodies, we hold tension. It's not just anger for people listening. I mean, all different types of emotions that get stuck and resistant. So I just want to highlight that because that's such huge realization that consciously, I think everyone listening to this can probably kind of understand in a way once you, once you realize that, but really understanding, like you said, fitting what your specific emotions are to your specific symptoms is another layer to it. So then my question is for the nervous system, other than the emotional health, what have you been doing nervous system wise, or at least like interested in that you've recognized can help you specifically with your symptoms? Your nervous system is component specifically of IC. So I know that, I mean, you know, this is probably people listening. If you've listened to this or worked with me that there's a component to the nervous system that we really see as like almost the root cause of a lot of different diagnoses or symptoms. But when it comes to things like IC, that is a physical, well, like you said, it's kind of an elimination diagnosis. So do you see that nervous system is a part of it? Do you see that it's a very strong root cause? Like, how do you see that fitting with IC? Yeah, I personally do feel like it is a very likely root cause of IC. I never say anything definitive because we don't know for sure. Yeah. But I will say in working with over a hundred people now with IC, the majority of my clients, you know, come into my program thinking they're like really diet sensitive, like diet food is the problem because that's what our yeah. doctors are telling us. Mm-hmm. But it usually ends up that food's not the problem. And a lot of them have their nervous system is dysregulated and that is most likely at the root of their pain frequency and, and urgency. And most people, it takes a while to come to that realization. Like we talk about it all the time on our group coaching calls. We have lots of education. I mean, you created a whole three-part series for my clients on nervous system stuff and you know, they can watch that, but I just think there's, everyone has their own like time period where they're like, okay, this is possible. It's, it's like a progression of realizing that that is, is your issue, you know? Yeah. And that's an important one, especially with the food piece. So then being a dietitian, 
how do you talk to people about how much food affects you versus how much nervous system affects you? I know it's kind of a big question or the question almost, Yeah. but it's so, I mean, no matter, I will say, even if it's IC, no matter what you're coming into this work for, I talk with everyone about it because like you said, everyone's told diet is either the answer or the biggest answer. It's going to fix everything. Right. So how do you talk to people about that? What do you say? Well, Like I was kind of saying earlier, when people get diagnosed, their doctor hands them this list of foods and drinks they can no longer have. So it's literally everything that tastes good and is fun, like alcohol, coffee, citrus, tomato, tomato products, chocolate, soy, artificial sweeteners, like literally everything that tastes good and is fun. And And what's the basis for that? Like where, where does that come from that list? There was a study done in 2007. So researchers sent out this questionnaire to a couple hundred people asking them, you know, what do you think it it, it was like a list of hundreds of foods and beverages? Like, what do you think bothers your bladder the most? And so they kind of took that data and it was only from like a hundred people who returned this questionnaire. And that's what they created this IC diet from. And there have been like questionnaire based studies since then kind of confirming their findings, but Diet really isn't something that you can isolate in a study when it comes to IC, just because there's so many other variables like stress and hormones and your pelvic floor. There's just too much going on and you can't isolate that. So there is definitely a lack of education happening between the provider and the patient when they get diagnosed. So the recommendation, you know, the, the researchers that created the IC diet, they recommend to do an elimination diet to determine your level of diet sensitivity, because some people aren't diet sensitive at all. Other people are, and people just fall in, in the middle of that spectrum. So you just got to figure out where you are, because if you don't, you know, common things that I see happening among people with IC is they're severely restricting their diet. They're doing that most of the time for too long. So I've had people come to me following the IC diet for years. And some people are eating the same like 15 to 20 foods. And and that's, that impacts so many different parts of your life. We live in such a food focused society. It's like everywhere you go, there's food, there's drinks, you know, any social event, it's everywhere. So it, it just like really amps up the stress and the stress will trigger your IC. So it's just this vicious cycle. And so my belief is that everybody, you know, aside of anyone who has like an eating disorder or anything like that, like I believe everybody should be doing an elimination diet in the beginning so that you can avoid this severe restriction. You can avoid any food fear that develops. You can avoid weight loss and nutrient deficiencies. Like there's so many things that can go wrong when you're not really paying attention to your diet. And yeah, food fear is another really big thing in the IC community that lots of people are struggling with. And I I do think that that just like feeds into nervous system dysregulation. Yes, 1000%. (laughs) I will talk about it forever. The more you fear something, the more your brain is going to tell you it is dangerous. So the longer that you're on these diets and been told that food is going to impact you in the beginning, yeah, it probably is, but it doesn't mean it has to be forever. Kind of like you're saying, it doesn't have to be a life sentence of this certain diet because really your nervous system is just too stressed out and it's 
sending danger signals to every time you eat these foods. So then I don't know how much you do or don't eliminate anymore, but can you speak to like your trajectory of that? Like my personal experience? Yeah. And, or what you see with other people, like, do they have to continue on diets for long periods of time? Yeah. So for me, when I was in college and my bladder was super angry, there were certain things I couldn't have like coffee and and alcohol. They would give me what I call the bladder hangover the next day. But over the years, you know, once I started addressing all of those other parts or pieces of my IC puzzle is how I call it. That's when I started to like calm things down. I think my, the nerves in my bladder really calmed down and now I can eat and drink whatever I want. So you know, I, I think that can be the case for a lot of people, maybe not everyone, but what I've noticed with the people I work with is, you know, they're either not diet sensitive, maybe they have one, two, maybe three things that they're sensitive to. The people who have the highest diet sensitivity are those that have Hunter's lesions. So those are basically found in five to 10% of people diagnosed with IC and there are these open wounds on the bladder wall. So you can imagine that urine touching that urine can be acidic, like that's going to be painful. So they, it makes sense that those people have a higher level of diet sensitivity, but like you need to figure that out through the elimination diet. You need to know, okay, are you diet sensitive or are you not? Like if you're not diet sensitive, you would want to know that so that you can start eating those foods again. You can start like going out to eat and not being stressed about it. You can start like living your life and that improves your quality of life and your confidence. And yeah, those are kind of like my general observations in the people I work with. Yeah. I want to speak to that a little bit because there is so much, like we said, there's a lot of focus on food and, and the functional holistic health community, which on one hand, rightfully so. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say there's no nutritional value to food and eat whatever you want, right? At the same time, again, the more we focus on something, the more fear-based action is taken around things, the more that it's going to stress our nervous system out. So it sounds like you're kind of coming into this approach as a dietitian of, yes, let's look at it. Like what's actually going to impact you. And over time, let's see how we can basically increase the foods that you can eat. So it doesn't yeah, stress you out. Most people think that dietitians are the food police and we're going to tell you to stop eating things, but that like couldn't be further from the truth. We want to find out how we can add more variety to your diet. And with an elimination diet, it's short-term restrictions so that you can have the things you want long-term. So it's just a short-term thing. It's not like a long-term diet you need to be following. Like you can knock an elimination diet out in three-ish months. Like it, it doesn't have to consume your life. But, but yeah, I mean, those are kind of my thoughts on that. Yeah. And I will say this almost as a, I guess, disclaimer, as you will, that because I do work with a lot of people with eating disorders. So yes, if that's something that you are struggling with, that's definitely needs to be taken into consideration. It can be tricky when you do struggle with that. And many people do coming into this community, because how could you not after probably years of having to focus on it or not focusing on it or whatever it is, So if that is the case, you know, definitely have to take that into consideration as you're going through being sensitive to foods. Do you, is that something you work with or how do you? Yeah, we, we have some clients with a history of an eating disorder. We don't, if somebody like wants to work with us and they have an active eating disorder, like it's not usually the right time. 
to do an elimination diet that definitely needs to be like treated and taken care of. It may never be right for someone with that history to do an elimination diet. Like there's ways that you can test things. You don't have to do this big, scary elimination diet. You can test like one thing at a time. It might take longer, but you know, you want to be in a good mental headspace when you're doing these things. So yeah, definitely disclaimer there. It's not right for everyone and it may not be like the right time for everyone, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I've actually had times where post my recovery from eating disorder, I've had doctors tell me, oh, you know, I see these on your testing and we need to do this type of diet or eliminate this. And I would just flat out say, even when I was feeling, feeling pretty good and didn't think I was very triggered by eating disorder anymore, I still said, that's actually not an option for me. We need to figure out other ways to address this because I, I can't go there. It's too much of a trigger. So you can do that. Like you can advocate yourself. I get really annoyed when doctors do that. Like they don't even see it Uh in your chart or they're just not like Uh understanding how that recommendation can affect people. It's really frustrating to see. And I've seen people, you know, get diagnosed with IC, learn about the IC diet and then develop an eating disorder. So it could be before or after the diagnosis. Yeah. There's just not a lot of information out there. No, not many doctors are informed about it, or they don't even know the signs to look for. I've talked to many functional MDs about it, and I've had to to kind of inform them of like what to look for because it's just not known. It's not taught. So yeah. Yeah, Agreed. Okay. So let's go back to then actual things that you've seen do help people in terms of nervous system regulation, whether it's yourself, whether it's people, whether it's things that, you know, I brought into the program, like what's helping people. Yeah. So I'm trying to think back to things that I've tried. So the first thing, one of the first places I started was Curable, the app. That was really helpful. I mean, they have a free version. That was really great. There were a couple of books that I read that helped me realize that my nervous system was dysregulated. So one of those was, of course, I'm going to blank on it. The Alan Gordon book, The Way Out. The Way Out. That one was really eye-opening for me. And so many of my clients have read it. Like, I swear we need a book club at this point. Like, Mm -hmm. I just think it was very easy to read and well-written. Those two, Curable and The Way Out, is what I, like, one of the two, first two things I suggest in my program. And I'll also link them in the show notes. Yeah. It's an easy way to, like, dip your toe into this. Like, Mm -hmm get that education down. And and with Curable, like you can listen to that stuff when you're driving, like there's lots that you can do mm-hmm. besides like reading and, and doing stuff like that. There's another one, there's another book specific to pelvic pain that of course I'm blanking on right now. Oh, it's called Why Pelvic Pain Hurts. And it kind of ties the nervous system in with pelvic pain specifically. And that's a really, really easy read as well. I'm currently trying to make my way through The Body Keeps the Score, but that one is kind of tough to get through. I don't know if you have thoughts on that book specifically, but that's my experience. <laughs> it is the, the Body Keeps the Score is kind of like the OG of connecting your mind and body and how trauma lives in the body. So it's it was written, I can't remember, but kind of a while ago back in the day. And some people read it going through therapy, going through school for counseling, but it's made a comeback again of like, hey, we need to look at this again. We need to really bring this into how we treat people. So yeah, it's a great one, but it 
Yes, it's much more focused, you know, more deep into mental, emotional, body focused. Yeah, definitely. So those are the books and and the app that I used. I like to follow certain accounts on social media. I find that I enjoy that. I like to learn from like carousel posts that people make and and uh-huh. different like reels. Um, so you connected me with a bunch of of different people with different styles of like teaching. So I I follow a bunch of people. I'm not sure if, if like we could put some examples in the show notes or something, but yeah, yeah, I will. I'll look. I have a list. And then I decided to do a nervous system, like rewiring course back in October. And you were helping me go through this decision-making process because I was, I am a perfectionist. I don't want to make the wrong decision and I have a certain learning style. So I could not for the life of me decide on which program to join, but I ended up joining this 12 week program. And while it was really helpful, I will say the majority of the lessons were audio lessons and I'm more of a visual learner. So Mm -hmm. it was hard for me to stay consistent with that course specifically. I'm currently, I, I joined on Black Friday, the vital side membership that I feel is is a really great tool to learn more about the nervous system. She does some good like visual stuff as well. So that's just like a tool that I have to use when I need it. I did a trial period of a nervous system course that was designed by a pelvic floor physical therapist. It's called Pelvic Sense. That one was was pretty cool, but I didn't finish it the nervous system series that you made for my clients was really helpful for me. I mean, I had to go through that thing twice to really retain and understand things. I always say digest it. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about like what you put in those classes to to give everybody like an understanding of what we learned from it. Well, so let me actually ask this. We've talked about how you really recognize that your emotions, specifically things like rage, affected your stress. So that's something, that's a huge component of nervous system regulation is emotional regulation. People don't understand that enough, actually. They think just because of reading things, there's a lot of like physical practices you can do. But honestly, mental and emotional health, I see as one of the biggest factors to make some shifts and really soothe your nervous system. So we talked about that. Out of these programs, is there anything that just really resonated with you? Again, we know that things, you know, sit with people differently, but was it maybe certain like breathing or meditation or emotional practices, journal practices, lifestyle changes, things like that? Maybe not necessarily program specific, but just things that you notice has shifted over time. And it might not be some overnight thing because again, this is a practice that takes time. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I found that, I think the first class that you did, you had this like illustration or diagram that had like the red, yellow and and green zones. And I just felt that that was a really great, what is that thing called? So the feel good life. Yeah. I can talk a little bit about that. I'm going to have a whole episode on it. It, It's, it just gives you an idea. Uh, It's a triangle with a scale that has red, yellow and green zones that it depicts basically different places in your nervous system. The relaxation response, the fight flight response, or the shutdown response. And basically you check in with yourself to see where you are on a day-to-day basis. I usually suggest starting off checking in three times a day to really understand what your signals are. But the whole point of that 
is to understand your specific signals of your nervous system, not someone else's, not a generalized view, but what are your mental, emotional, physical, sensational beliefs of what tells you you're in each, which zone of your nervous system so that when you recognize you're in the stress response, then I give you tools. We give you kind of like a step-by-step -step process to get into the relaxation response. So that's, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That was helpful for me to just have that baseline knowledge where I could check in with myself multiple times a day. And of course I was in that like yellow zone most of the time, I think, mm -hmm. because red, red was like the freeze, the shutdown, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't really fall into that. I feel like I'm more of like the fight flight type response. So that was helpful. I know that 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 was really helpful for a lot of my clients. Like they're obsessed with your nervous system series. So that was really helpful. And then I'm trying to think of other things that have stuck with me from these courses. I mean, in, in the vital side, the rewire membership, you know, there's certain activities that she recommends you do. And I'm someone who, if an activity makes me feel stupid when I'm doing it, like silly, like I don't buy into it. And I don't know... I don't know why I just can't. And so that those types of things aren't always for me, but I'll give them a try sometimes. And, you know, there was one thing that she recommended doing. It's, I forget what she calls it, but it's like you identify when you're in a moment of like, she calls it your bear. So whatever your symptom is, like for me, it would be like bladder pain. And so if, if I have like a twinge of bladder pain, just like, recognizing it sitting with it you have this whole like 90 second countdown then you push it away and then you say like this declarative statement like I'm healthy I'm strong like whatever so you know trying to do that consistently is difficult but I I do find that when I I practice it I do feel a little bit better so yeah and it, it's hard right now for me because my bladder symptoms are pretty much managed I always say I'm like 95% symptom free so it's less about the pain for me. And now it's more about just like that regulation and not feeling those emotions of like rage and anxiety and annoyance that I feel on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's kind of what I'm working through right now. So then I wonder for you right now, which I hear this from a lot of people too, that they're like, well, I don't have specifically people that may not identify with specific pain, like chronic pain in their body, whether that's bladder, that's physical pain, they have more like fatigue symptoms or gut issues or headaches or something like that, which again, pain is just a general term that I use for all of that. But there's definitely people that fall into that category where you are right now, where it's not about stopping these pain symptoms when they come up because it's so unbearable. It's actually really learning how to shift your lifestyle or how your emotional regulation and that's huge. That's actually the deeper, more core part of this. So then oftentimes I find that that learning on learning about emotion regulation and non-attaching from your emotions and learning how to kind of like ride the waves of them. So, so important. And maybe that's kind of where you are. So what I want to say about that is that if you can't tell already, there's so many different ways to learn how to regulate your nervous system and to work with it. Because it's just not one thing. It encompasses a lot, which can be overwhelming, but it really doesn't have to be. We have to meet you where you are and what you need, which I think is what you're recognizing now. Okay, yeah, for a while you were super symptomatic and really needed to regulate that pain. Now it's not so much immediate pain. It's 
kind of your lifestyle and how do you keep yourself in that more parasympathetic relaxation response instead of spiking into the yellow zone. Right. And that just made me think of some like lifestyle changes that I've made. Like when I wake up in the morning, I'm not always successful at this, but I try not to look at my phone right away. That's definitely a habit that I've had for, for years. And like being an entrepreneur, I just feel like so many of us, it's, it's natural. It's a habit that we've formed. And so like trying not to do that, trying to break that habit has been helpful. Cause like, if you wake up and you see an email and it's negative, like it kind of ruins your whole day. So I don't want to start my day off like that. I know that you have this whole routine when you wake up, like you do like a breathing exercise or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it something should. that I want to do in 2024. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. And another thing I, I added into my just daily routine is like essential oils, like finding ones that smell good to me and like having like a diffuser. Cause I feel like I am a very, I'm very sensitive to smells. And if there's a good smell, I feel like that definitely does have an impact on me, whether I realize it or not. Mm-hmm. I love that. These are really great examples because they're so important. Even if they might be small, I say this a lot and I preface it to some of my clients okay, I understand this might be minimal and you might roll your eyes at me, but it's really important and it really helps. Like the phone thing, I will scream that from the rooftops. Looking at it before bed or when you wake up is so disruptive, so disruptive to our system. So yeah, even if it's the first 30 minutes of the morning, I like to say an hour, but you know, do what you can do. Super helpful. And it doesn't have to be anything long or crazy. Like, yeah, my morning practice is, I usually do a meditation and I just do I mean, sometimes it's a minute to five minutes of like a lymph massage, like vagus nerve, especially now that I'm in a dry climate, I wake up like (laughs) needing that. So anyway, long story short, these little things matter, but it doesn't have to be some crazy long routine, like just implement little things here and there. Yeah. I, and I recently got more into like reading for fun again, Mm. and that kind of replaces before bed, like my TikTok scrolling and all of those unhealthy habits I had. I replace it with that. And I, I do feel like I, I sleep better, uh, but it is, again, something I need to be more consistent about because consistency is an issue for me. Yeah. I will say this about consistency. Most people think it is an issue. And it, for us humans, it's natural for that to be an issue. It's probably not as much as you think, especially when you're coming from a place of perfectionism and needing to be on or right all the time, which most of us are, if you're listening to this, you think you need to be like perfect with what you're doing all the time. And it it ebbs and flows, of course. But yeah, for sure. I mean, hey, new year, new me. I'm gonna keep Mm -hmm. moving forward. (laughs) Cool. Okay. So I want to ask a couple more questions. You may have an answer to this and it doesn't have to be specific or not, but what do you want people to know who have just been diagnosed with IC? Like what's one of the most important things or a few important things that you think can really help them? It's funny because I literally just posted a TikTok about this. Uh, ah. Like the things that I would do in the next 30 days if I was just diagnosed with IC. And awesome. the number one thing on that list is to not panic. There's a lot of people out there that are going to you know, have a pessimistic outlook on this condition. You know, we we have no known cure, but that doesn't mean that you can't like live your best life with this condition. Like I, I'm a prime example. Like I've struggled for two decades with this, but once I figured out my root causes and and started treating those things, like 
but symptoms virtually disappeared. So there's so much hope. And I don't think that that's talked about enough. So that is definitely one thing, you know, mindset wise that I, I would recommend. I would recommend like finding some sort of support system, whether it's like someone in your life, you know, it, it helps if they have interstitial cystitis. Not many people are going to talk about that. But once you start talking about that in your life, like chances are you're going to find somebody else who's like, oh, I have that too. Or my sister has that. And like, you can get connected to people and, and find people that can relate to you because this is a really isolating condition. There are support groups on, on Facebook, but if you're not in a healthy mental space, I would not recommend getting into those. They can be helpful, but they also can get kind of like dark and depressing sometimes. So yeah, support system is huge. I, I find that if with my clients and my road to remission program, like having opportunities to meet other IC warriors face-to-face, -face, like on a Zoom call each week, like that just takes a whole like weight off your shoulders where you know that you're not alone anymore. You're not the only person going through what you're going through. Another thing I would want people to know is that, you know, your doctors may be recommending like these invasive procedures. There's like a hydrodistension procedure. There's installations. You can get Botox injections. Like there's lots of invasive things that you can do, but a lot of doctors kind of skip over the non-invasive stuff, the more natural and holistic stuff. Things like doing an elimination diet, focusing on hydrating, going to pelvic floor physical therapy, addressing your nervous system. Like those, those are things that if I could go back, I would focus on right away because I truly believe that I would have gotten relief like a decade sooner. But I mean, I was on my own journey. I was looking for a magic cure. I was like, oh, you have a medication for me? Like, I don't care about the side effects. Just let me try it. Like I was kind of in that mental space. So that, that was tough, but yeah, just know that like your doctor, like, yes, they have training and everything, but like they most likely don't have interstitial cystitis. They're not living in your body. You know, your body best. You have to advocate for yourself. If you don't like what your doctor is recommending, like shop around for a doctor, find someone else. Maybe, you know, it's just not the right fit. Like don't just settle for like something that feels wrong in your gut. So I'm kind of all over the place with this answer, but I, I hope I gave you some good tips there. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think lots of important nuggets. One of them that stood out to me that you kind of said in a couple different ways was community, right? Like finding, whether it's someone that has it, whether it's a community, a group that has it. And this goes for any kind of diagnosis that you're getting, if you're listening to this, that the chronic illness, chronic condition can be so isolating. So when you can find a group that's uplifting, that isn't going to take you down, like some Facebook groups kind of are that are super negative, groups that are uplifting and actually focus on healing and making progress and not just identifying this as like a life sentence. That was exactly. super important. Yeah. yeah like I'll have people find me on TikTok and they're like, this is amazing. Like I've never met anyone else with this condition. And like, I'm just like making fun of it, but in a positive way. So mm -hmm. like having those resources available, like my podcast, like just being able to listen and, and see someone talk about it is really comforting for people. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Last question that you might've already talked about as we talked through what you're doing, but I like to ask people, what are you loving right now in your wellness journey? 
What's lighting you up? I would say like moving my body in a way that I enjoy is important for me. I I enjoy doing bar classes. So that is because for a while I went from like, you know, really intense high school and then college workouts to like, what do I do? Like what, what the heck do I do? So it took me a while to find a way to exercise that like I didn't dread doing like my boyfriend loves running. I absolutely can't stand running. So I found that. And now I feel like it's great for my physical and mental health moving into 2024. Like I do want to keep going with this nervous system regulation journey. Like I'm always looking for new tools to utilize tools for my toolbox. Like that can not only help me, but can also help my clients as well, because they all know that I am on my own journey. I'm not like in remission. I'm not like 100% healed from this thing. Like it is a journey. There's so many moving pieces to it that it's like just one thing at a time. I would say being kinder to my body, like the way that I talk to myself, changing that has been really big and I'm going to keep practicing that. Definitely just, you know, healthy eating, like eating my fruits and veggies. I'm a huge dessert person. So just kind of like balancing that. People are always like surprised when they see me eating like dessert, but I'm like, I enjoy it. I'm going to keep eating it. I'm not going to restrict myself. Yeah. Those are kind of the things that I I am enjoying right now. I'm getting back into music, like listening to songs that make me feel happy, like nostalgic songs. I I don't know why I really like those. And then like comedy, I'm getting into comedy because I really like laughing. Those are so important. I'm glad you actually said that. Those things yeah. matter. Those things really, really matter. They actually literally impact the cells of your body. Like when we laugh, when we look at things that light our brains up in a certain way, truly impacts us. So yes, I love it. There's nothing I love more than like an uncontrollable laugh where I'm like crying. <laughs> I have to cover my face. Like that is my favorite. Yes. <laughs> yes. I actually had, I had like an old personal Instagram account that I would specifically only go on there. And I used it for just funny videos. Like I kind of, you know, curated my feed to only have funny videos. And that would be my like laugh time. I love it. That's a good Uh, idea. I can mm -hmm. just, I have five Instagram accounts right now. I can make a six just for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Callie. Really appreciate it. I think this is a wonderful conversation and definitely things that people need to hear. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If anybody, you know, has questions on IC or just like wants to follow me, feel free to to do that. I'm sure you'll link it in the show notes, but yeah, my DMs are open if anybody needs anything and yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll link all of her information below. She has an amazing program that helps. I send everyone I know with IC, which is not a whole lot, but definitely clients that I've had, I send them her way because it's a wonderful, wonderful approach. So, alrighty. Thank you. Hey friend, it's Grace. I know you're tired of feeling like managing your physical and mental health is just one big moving target. I also know that you've spent years of your life and hundreds of dollars on doctor's visits, juice cleanses, fad diets, and fancy supplements only to feel like nothing about your chronic symptoms has changed. If this sounds like you, consider this your invitation to find a holistic health protocol that works for you and your body, even if you have chronic symptoms, unhealed trauma, or a dysregulated nervous system. That's exactly what's waiting for you inside the mind body healing method, my 12 week group program. That's designed to help you say body or chronic symptoms through learning how to regulate your nervous system, retrain your brain and heal unresolved trauma. 
Our clients have found relief from even the most chronic of symptoms, including fibromyalgia, sciatica, migraines, gut issues, and other uncomfortable symptoms without pills or a long list of rituals and regimens. If you'd like to learn more about our program, head over to the show notes and learn more. Because the truth is that there is a protocol that works for you, you just might not have found the right balance for your body yet. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to me if you could do these couple things. One, go to the Heal with Grace show page wherever you listen and tap the plus sign or click on the follow button so you don't miss an episode. It helps both of us out. While you're there, if you could give a five-star review so that this podcast can reach more people, it would mean so much to me so I can continue sharing episodes that help you as well as others. Thanks for listening, and I hope this brings you hope on your journey.